Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This is a Manhattan-bound B Express train. The next stop is Grand Street. Mind the gap. Welcome to Skylines, City Metric Podcast. I'm John. And I'm Stephanie. You're Stephanie, you're back. Hi, John. Hello. Hello, everyone. Hello. What What have you been up to? Have you been up to anything that maybe we should mention at this stage so that we don't <laughs> forget to mention it? I have been working at Prospect Magazine, where I have a new podcast. You have a new podcast without me. I know. Like, I know. I'm I feel really, betrayed. I know. I'm sorry. Um, What's your new podcast? It's called How to Fix. So it is a highly ungoogleable podcast, which we realised... It's great SEO. Yeah, no, I know. What we do is we take a new topic every week, me and my co-host, Steve Bloomfield, um, who is deputy editor over at Prospect, and we try and fix it. So, so far we've done NATO, the newspaper industry. We did not fix that successfully. We're going to do rough sleeping, so it's basically a policy wonkish podcast. We get MPs, commentators, and somebody from a country where they have fixed the thing on every week. Where, which country have they fixed NATO in? I'm curious about that. Did you get like someone, a, a Russian on saying, NATO's fine. NATO works. <laughs> from our point of view, NATO is working absolutely We actually perfectly. had Donald Trump on and he went, yeah, it's great. I'm going to leave it now. <laughs> but no, you can find it at prospectmagazine.co.uk forward slash how to fix and hear more of me, sadly, without John. That's, that's great, though. It's really good that we've, we've, we've talked about that in an entirely non-awkward way, just casually discussing just, just what, you've been, what, you've, what you happen <laughs> to have been up to. So that's nice. I hear you've got another question for me. We have many questions. We were talking, we were debating what we were going to talk about on, on this week's show. Cause it's like, you know, the, also we're recording this some, some time in advance. So like any of the things we talk about now, it may turn out that by the time you hear this, maybe, maybe there isn't a, a tube anymore, for example. But anyway, because we didn't know what we were going to talk about or what would be in the news, we, we asked, we asked the internet for some, some questions that they may, they may be interested in hearing our answers to. Things that perhaps they want us to, to fix. In some way, am I allowed to? Am I allowed to? Okay, I'm not. You can riff off the podcast. Room, that's I'll probably, fine. I pro- probably won't do that again after that look. But yeah, one of the questions that came up that that's clearly a callback to an argument that 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 Stephen and I have been having since slightly before the dawn of time is, what counts as a tube line in your mind? Oh, that's a big question. Is this why Stephen got written up in the Evening Standard talking about the Piccadilly line? No, I do actually know the reason for that. They lost the lead story on the day. 
But Ooh, I can't remember what good, the lead story was. I've good got lots of you know, got I'm, I'm plugged into the Matrix, well, me. Then. Yeah. Well, then. But yeah, so, so it was like, the, <laughs> so like, why is Stephen Bush suddenly news? Oh, that's the reason that makes some sense. So yeah. talk me through, what are the options? So basically, the, it's, it's a sort of ontological argument about where tubiness comes from. Is, is being on the tube map enough to make you a tube? Or is it specifically the, the 11 lines, is it 11? I think it's 11 of the London Underground Network, uh, which therefore excludes the, the separate but equal London Overground Network and the Docklands Light Railway. Or, or the, the, the true purists would argue that the tube should only relate to the actual, the tubes as opposed to the subsurface lines where they've actually had to bore tunnels through rock as opposed to just dig a trench and stick a roof on it. So Stephen and I have been having this argument for some time now. I don't know why. I don't really remember how it started. I do know that YouGov, the pollster, polled on this. Like we acted, they they polled on an argument we were having in the office. And annoyingly, the, the people out there think that neither of us is right. So, <laughs> okay. Well, not knowing either of your stance, I'm gonna I'm gonna wade in, and we'll see how long you can continue to tolerate my presence on your podcast afterwards. I'm going to say 100% yes to the deep surface lines, yes to the subsurface lines. I think that kind of purist attitude to the tube network is unhelpful. And Tube know, is a colloquial name for the London yeah, Underground Network and, rather than yes. You yes. know, don't be the kind of pedant who sucks, you know, what little joy can be gleaned from the hellish commuting experience of the London Underground. There's lots of joy if you're not read City Metric, it's all the joy. I, I mean, I don't So know. much joy. Do we, I guess, yeah. No, yeah. Some joy. There's a lot of despair on there. Have you seen the world? <laughs> anyway, so yes, so I say yes to both of those. I'm going to say yes to the overground because I'm going to make a slightly um, left field, but again, you know, ontological questions of tubiness very much in play, which is that because they have the open carriages, they are very tube-like in appearance. Ah, but that's not... Okay, 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 okay. You're, you're wrong, you're wrong. But, <laughs> but I see I'm what you're even, getting at. I've not even that's, got onto the DLR. Which... That's like, well, well, that's that's the real sore point. Which okay, well, my, I'm, I'm going to come up with a it is, of... a... it is a train designed for urban rapid transit as opposed to... But it's but the overground is an S-barn rather than a U-barn, Stephanie, very clearly. <laughs> oh, my God. I've just realised I'm literally waving my arms yeah, at this point. Yeah, no, he really is. <laughs> He's doing a kind of... Um, I don't know, sort of Monty Python-esque <laughs> gesturing thing. But I'm going to make a, a radical proposal. I want to see what you think of mm, this. You haven't done the DLR. You've got to do the DLR. Well, this is, it's going to okay, be part of this. Okay. So in the same way that you have Britain and then you have the British Isles, as some people call them. Not me, if you're listening and you're a friend of mine oh, from no. Ireland. But I think there's the tube and the tube network. And I think the DLR is in the tube network, but it's not a tube line. Is that fair? Ooh. Oh, I might. This might work. Is that okay? Because people do get very, very angry about this stuff. The problem with the British the, the problem with the phrase "the British Isles" I have discovered is that I did get in trouble for like uh, using this in a headline about uh and it was about the, the british isles is in like the U, great britain and ireland and associated islands 
but I did get in trouble because in Ireland that's not an acceptable. And it's not. I would say these aisles. But the problem is, like, yeah, this is this is this is the problem I ran into. Is like, I I was saying, I was saying to someone, okay, what would what what should we call them instead? And they said, well, these islands work, or the northwest of islands. It's like, but at that point, you're using a phrase that is going to be meaningless to the vast majority of people reading so that's not i'm okay with changing it but it's these, these alternatives are not i feel like we're getting adequate. into a very different debate to the i know but debate, it's, it it's still very a... much in the city metric area <laughs> and i'm sure many of your irish friends and relations will be interested in your answer to this query. well I, d- I don't use the phrase british isles as no but happens, what's but i wouldn't necessarily submit it to al i will use these isles or i will use the united kingdom and ireland if i'm right yeah about that. i think that's probably the least contentious that, way that is it. what i personally tend to write but and then I you feel get someone in the isle of man going excuse me but john tubes they don't have tubes in the isle of man i, I know but look <laughs> the point i'm trying to get at is that it's not as if the tube well it kind of is as if the tube went and colonized the rest of the transport network but the tube's dominance within the tube network is not a contentious political issue Unless you're in my household where we argue about the tube versus the bus network, but we don't need to get into that. No, let's get into that. What's the argument? What I don't, is the I nature don't like of the, the bus. I think it's too hot and people are too cramped and it gets steamed up in the windows. You're and... still somewhere southeast, right? Yeah. And that's difficult because buses are quite... I mean, the, the southeast is, is generally sort of bus dominated. It's very bus heavy. Yeah, so I do... I for people who don't listen regularly enough to know my living arrangements i <laughs> i live in new cross and i commute to westminster so that's a 453 all the way well, in. i still love the 453 i mean i don't mind a quiet 453 a packed oh but it's not a bendy bus anymore is it they got rid of them it's not a bendy bus because that kept killing cyclists i don't know if you remember that but is i it... i don't think the 453 did i think no, actually no this but is... i think bendy buses in general i was always quite pro bendy bus why you? In fact, because of the 453, in fact, when I was living on the Old Kent Road, which is the sort of main artery down into South East London at the time, and when they, when they split the 53 into the 53 and the 453, and the 453 was the kind of more inner London section from Deptford to uh, Maryland. Oh, Marylebone. Is it Marblebone now? I think it's Marblebone. I think it's Marylebone. Is it Marylebone? Um, the 53 they... only goes to Whitehall, which makes it better because less people get on it. Mm. But they, they, I was very excited when these are the bendy bus, which is, I mean, basically it's slightly more like a train. Okay, so you say that you like the bus most when it resembles a train. It's more trainy. How do you feel about rail replacement services? Well, that's worse because that's more bussy. Right, that's so like that's replacing a train, train replaced with a bus. You see okay. that you're, you've actually just made my argument for me. No, I have. That like moving okay. from like replacing a train with a bus is clearly a step down. Therefore, but how replacing do you a feel bus about with a train. A rail replacement service when compared to taking a bus. Do you feel you've got kind of the? Well, it's limited stop generally. Okay, so, so you, you know like you're not going to be you're not going to be stopping all the time. Okay. It's amazing when we were like sat here before starting this, we were really worried about what we were going to talk about. Apparently, and this is it. It's, <laughs> but it's turning into kind of every controversial opinion podcast, isn't it? Yeah. What 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 are the rest of your bad takes? Do you like tuition fees? I like tuition fees. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Did you pay tuition fees? I'm I trying did, to work out yeah. how I mean uh, clearly you did, but I'm trying to work out how I paid the lower tuition fees. Yeah, you so it's and like I marched free rather against than... the increase but have since my mind changed. Okay, so this is really off. So, so just just scroll through this bit if you really just want the city stuff. But we're we're in this now. I paid the really low version. I was like either the first or second year that paid them when they were like mm, a grand. It shows you seem very ill-educated, to be fair. Yeah, well, fair. Uh, but I kind of think 
so the system we've ended up on is is fairer if you look sort of laterally across the generation like if you look at the people doing it it's kind of it's the the people who will end up richest will pay more however it's unfair when you look at it as something that's imposed by older people who got who have degrees by and large the people who made the policy not that whole cohort but people who got their education for free imposing this on a generation that's then going to pay an enormous amount and suddenly be paying an effectively much higher marginal tax rate, which suddenly nobody seems bothered about. And they've cut the sort of maintenance allowance, which used to be a thing. Well, this is kind of my issue with people who are very, very anti-tuition fees in that I go, my priorities are EMA and maintenance allowance. And this is this is what I was going to come on to. Like yeah. the difficulty is now they're there. It's never going to be the thing you're going to want to spend that money on because, like, you're going to have a much bigger effect on on both social justice and and you know anything any other measure you can look at by spending it on like early years. Also, I I, I certainly understand the resentment about people who went to university for free. I'm paying off my student loan, and I don't feel great looking at the kind of cabinet ministers who didn't have to pay anything but i still think it's a progressive tax on earnings ultimately mm-hmm. um, what really annoyed me a few years ago was on question time where ruth lee who's a very uh, right-wing economist uh, formerly i think on the monetary policy committee was defending it and somebody from the audience shouted at her that she got her education for free and she went i paid for mine through income tax and it's like well can you not see this of a gaping hole in your argument in your, yeah. yeah no that is bad It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm, HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. But I've worked out a way of getting this back on the city metric topic. Go on. I think one of the reasons it, this has become so talismanic an issue on, on the left is because of the generalized sense of intergenerational inequality, the fact that wages are not growing, the fact job uh, pensions have gone, not anyone thinks about pensions, but they're totally off the agenda. And, you know, people are, are working harder for a worse quality of life. And a big element of that is uh, housing. I thought you were going to go for voter distribution. No. But we can talk about housing. Re- really? 
Yeah, yeah. well, I thought you were going to say part of the reason it's on the political agenda is because of the distribution of students and young people in key constituencies. But oh, no, that would be... Well, that, that's, a much, that's also an interesting thing we could talk but about. But it's a very but, different... Housing. But this was my segue into, into another question... Oh, we okay, asked. you do that, and then I want to ask you an opinion on something. You go first. Oh, okay. You were going to ask me the question, but I'll ask myself a question. In the voice of uh, Richard Gadsden, former uh, Liberal Democrat, I think three times now, prospective parliamentary candidate up in Manchester, who I met at Lib Dem conference the other day, and you agreed to me with, yes, it's definitely you, you have your voice. So, hi, Rick. <laughs> Thanks. Hi, Richard. R- Richard was asking why it's so difficult in British cities to get sort of six to eight storey mansion blocks that most people in European cities tend to live in why is that i think it's because it's very difficult to get from here to there so if you kind of think if you've already got a city built around these kind of mid-rise apartment blocks it's quite easy to redevelop them as slightly taller or slightly denser apartment blocks because you know the land ownership is like is static and you can just yeah you just you can buy the whole plot you can rebuild something bigger on that plot you think of like what central london is like even in like properly death central London, a lot of it is individual plots of land of individual owners, and we don't have particularly strong compulsory purchase rules. So, in in both the practical and political terms, it's very difficult to assemble enough land to start making that kind of radical shift in in, in density. And that's before you get to the fact that, for whatever reason, most of the apartment blocks we're building in this country these days are bloody horrible and smell like hospitals or halls of residence. That is true. I wonder, is is the difference in Europe just because of how they rebuilt post-war or are there different regulations in play? You know, I don't know. I imagine part of it will have been... But no, it's not all post-war, is it? Because a lot of... If you, you go around Paris or Vienna or something, these buildings are a lot older than that. Oh, it's, I was I imagining it's... a very different type of block. Yeah, no, no I know what you mean. It's the, um... the, the, the high-rise, high-rise cities. I think it's just that there is something cultural around, like, this... Englishman's home is his castle bollocks is like people do like the idea of like their own little plot with a garden they like and, yeah but people people want by and large would prefer houses to, to apartments in this country so we don't really you know if you have if people have the choice they don't generally opt for like a flat over a it's interesting yeah right it right in from your city and tell us what is wrong with the English yeah but I think a lot of it is just path dependency it's like all, all these people who say we shouldn't be building on the green belt, we should be like densifying the existing city. It's like, okay, I agree. Whose home do you want to demolish? So John Elledge is going to come and steal your I will, homes I will and come. knock them down. <laughs> no, seriously, this really annoys me because we've had a run of of politicians from both sides of the fence talking about how, like, you know, a lot of London's council estates are not very nice. We should uh, demolish them and build new urban villages, and it's like, well. Maybe that is a political choice we need to make, but I can't help but notice that the people suggesting it are not living not on the these. Not the people it affects. Yeah, and, and, it's and, true. And not only that, like they don't know the people it's. And it's not just like we're a long way past the point where it's just working class people living on these council estates. Like I live on a council estate. I own my flat, but I live on what was a council estate. So does Stephen Bush. Mm. It's so. Do, do you? No. No. But New you, build. But okay. But like I know plenty of people who live on. Uh, states and I just don't think this is kind of filtered through to politicians that you know thanks to right to buy you know even if you you wanted to demolish all the you know you're going to have to pay out quite a lot of compensation yeah to go clearly you think you've been able to find a group of people who are relatively powerless and whose homes you can demolish and replace but actually because of the right to buy policy which you brought in yeah some middle class people live there now and will kick back on you yeah and possibly through angry columns in the new statesman naming no 
names. My question for you. Okay. I read some interesting research from Lacalis today, which was suggesting that we should bring in an opt-out deposit saving scheme for young people in the same way we've brought out opt-out pension schemes. What do you make of that? Oh, so do you mean like, so money is automatically saved towards a deposit on a house? From your income, yeah. That is interesting. I mean, I think it's probably, I think actually these kind of painless forced saving mechanisms are by and large a good thing. I think, you know, we should be using the tax system to kind of siphon away a certain amount of income for people's futures. It doesn't get around the size of the gap between how much you need to save and how much you're earning. Yeah. Like, I think probably that would be a lot less useful than if everybody got a massive great pay rise. What do you think? I mean, I think it would probably be less useful than um, building a lot more houses. But Yeah. Actually, I... just today, in the day we're recording this, I've just been having a really annoying argument with Dan Davis, who's this. Have you encountered Dan Davis? I don't think He's so. He's a terrible human being. But he, but he, like, he, 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 he literally tweeted oh, me, you know. He, he tweeted me with like, actually, what I'm saying reflects my 20 years' work as an analyst on both sides of this, and it's like, and I really, I typed this out three times and deleted it every time. I just wanted to reply. You should definitely pin that so people know how clever and impressive you are. But I didn't do that. I just, I'm just talking about it here in the safety of the podcast. I can't believe you've never been sued. You must, you must get very That's not libelous. That's rude. That's not in any way libelous. Is it libelous to say someone's a terrible human being? This is it. I think that's fair comment. I think you should consult Helen before you click publish on it. No, she would definitely let you get away with that. You should hear what they say on their podcast. I do. I listen to their podcast. Yeah, it's all right. It's good. It is all right. I like the new Boris swear jar where you have to put money in every time. Now, Stephen's not enjoying that because he's losing out, but... I mean, I don't know why you wouldn't want to take any more opportunity to call him Johnson, which I find hugely enjoyable. We had more questions. We did. So, oh, here's here's a good one. That's 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 not really about cities, but you know, should feminists vote for Bernie Sanders? Oh God, is this the thing where you wrote something in a piece and it kicked off? It, I mean, it's one of the things. By the time this episode comes out, it might be three it or four things ago. <laughs> several what, what things ago. Saying, what you're hearing right now is John dredging back up a Twitter storm that, I mean, should feminists vote for Bernie? They can vote for Bernie Sanders, I think, saying feminists should vote for a specific candidate. I am always going to be somebody who agrees on block voting against the alleged sex offender. So that is my view on that. Um, but there's a question of the primaries. You know, should they have voted for him? Oh, God, I just don't have an opinion on this, except for yes, women should vote for him, but you should also be able to pantomime the specific type of man who's clearly way too invested in Bernie Sanders and wants Clinton to shut up, um, while equally giving voices to women who have legitimate reason to support Bernie Sanders, and fine. I've got a way of turning this back to cities again. Go on. What gets forgotten in this whole Bernie would have won debate is that Bernie couldn't even win the primaries, it wasn't like super delegates or anything. He just literally didn't like Hillary Clinton got a lot more votes than him. And that was largely because he wasn't playing so well with the African American voters who get who are quite important in the Democratic primary process who were largely backing Hillary Clinton. But I mean I've heard that, you know, they were just manipulated. This is 
an opinion that yeah, I've that's, heard expressed. That is, that is an, opi- that is, that is an opinion <laughs> that I've seen expressed. If you steam from, rise from the top of Stephen Bush's <laughs> head, you can do two things. You can mix up percentage and percentage points, and you can go with this trope of African-American voters having been kind of manipulated by the Clintons. Um, yeah, no, that's a definitely, that's an entirely unpatronising, not even slightly racist If I were trope, you, I but... would go with the percentage points one. But anyway, yeah, write in and tell John why he's wrong and why Bernie would have won. I wasn't um, even... I, the thing is, I don't know. I honestly don't know. I wasn't even saying... I wasn't making any comment on Bernie Sanders or Hillary Clinton's politicians or their campaigns. I was just saying that a certain type of man on the internet says things like, Bernie would have won, Hillary should stop, should shut up. John, like, I'm seeing you I'm kind satirizing. of as a, as a guy at the end of the bar at closing time, kind of falling asleep into your pint, going, all I was saying, you know what they don't know. You know what your problem is? You know what your problem is? I, don't, I think the DLR might be in the tube network. It's not a tube, it's not a tube. I think it's in the tube network. Ask me a question about Yorkshire devolution. We do, uh, so where do you stand on Yorkshire devolution? I'm assuming you think it's a bad thing. I mean... I think Yorkshire should be allowed to devolve. Why not? Let's isolate them. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's I think it's a very difficult thing because of the configuration of that part of the world. I think Yorkshire devolution is probably not the most important thing. I just think you've got to get better rail networks between, you know, Sheffield, Manchester, Leeds, all of that. Yeah, I mean, I think the whole Northern Powerhouse thing was really a sort of greater, greater Manchester thing, right? It was about, like, if we connect ever up to Manchester better, you, it, we used to have a bigger sort of population, bigger sort of housing market, bigger skill set, and, and that would be great. And also, but, I think there's things like you've got to have rail in the north that runs from smaller towns and turns them into proper commuter towns to the cities. I think it's absolutely disgraceful that you go across Lancashire and there's so many places that aren't on the rail network or there are request stops and there's trains not coming through frequently. Wait, request stops? Do you thing. not know about request stops? I didn't. I, I've only just found about the token signalling. Do you know about that? No, I'll tell you what request stops yeah, are. Okay. So a request stop, and this is quite common in places that aren't London, and I think throughout the rest of the world it's also quite common, is where you have to, like the bus, kind of signal that you want the train to stop at that stop. I mean, I kind of gathered that from the name. I'm just like, this This happens, this is a thing. How far ahead do you have to, because trains take some time to stop. Well, they're generally on smaller lines at a slightly slower speed anyway. Because um, the, the Virgin West Coast service, which is no, obviously No, for instance, bigger, that would not work. That takes three miles to stop. Yeah, no. Okay, there are no request stops on the Virgin West Coast service. No. I don't think. I've not... It's like, oh, I wanted that, to stop at Stoke-on-Trent too late. You're you know. in... Whoever's three miles from yeah. Stoke-on-Trent. Yeah, but I think the rail infrastructure needs to be made better for those smaller towns. Also, you've got to make those costs work with people's wages, which are... Am I allowed to swear on this podcast? Have we already lost our rating? We haven't, but I don't think... I, like, I have sworn, so let's which see what happens. Which are shit for a lot of people in the North, and there's huge amounts of unemployment, and frankly, your dull money is not going to get you to Manchester and back for the job interview and leave you with enough money to live on. So run more trains and make them cheaper? Can I tell you what token signalling is? Go on. It's... It's literally signalling that involves a token. The, the driver has to get out of the cab, collect a token, get back into the cab, go onto the single track stretch of line that you can only ever have one train on to prevent crashes. When he gets to the far end, he gets out again, gives it the token to someone in the signal box, gets back on the train and goes on. It's just like the only way you're allowed to enter the stretch of track is by having the token. 
And this is still what, like, chunks of the Northern Rail Network are reliant upon. Amazing. I, isn't that just, like, that's, like, proper, sort of, that's, like, something out of a Will Hay film. That's not, like, <laughs> that should not be happening in 2017. Like the GPO films in the 1930s. How do you stand on rail electrification in Wales, by the way? Um, I, I, I don't have a... <laughs> See, I've gone, I've, I've gone so deep in the wonkery. I think I've outwonked you. The problem is I don't have a specific opinion about it, except I think it's ridiculous that we're still having this conversation. I think it's particularly, it's outstanding of Chris Grayling, the Transport Secretary, to announce the cuts of this electrification programme in Wales and the Midlands and the North, literally two days before he came out in support of Crossrail 2 in London, which is going to cost billions. And it's just, it's so transparent, like, you know, just saying, we don't care about these places because there's a lot of people who don't vote for us there and they're not very rich, but we do care about London because there's lots of rich people here. And Chris Grayling, who is just, I, do, I think it's only the fact that he's so anonymous. He looks like he could, there are so many sort of basically oh, identical bald white men. Sort of. Yeah. yeah. It's only the fact that nobody can ever remember which one he is that means he's not a national hate figure like Michael Gove. I really want Stephen Kinnock to like rip his shirt in Parliament and go hulk about rail electrification. Stephen Kinnock? Yeah, Stephen Kinnock's really invested in um, increasing infrastructure around Wales. And uh, Stephen Kinnock is bad now, though. Oh, is he? I've, what? He's really coming out hard against free movement on the grounds that it, it suppresses wages, which is not true. No, free movement does not suppress wages. It does wages. not suppress wages. No. It's like, and, um, oh, what's so the Alison McGovern, who is amazing, was, uh, oh, of course she had that whole, yeah, she, she was taking him to task off on the back of that. Yeah, no, I do now remember that he was the other participant in that debate and he said it was an emotional debate, which it isn't. Alison McGovern was not arguing from a place of emotion. She just, Knows that's how a bit like works. that. Um, oh God! I mean, that's the kind of like political rhetoric equivalent of okay, I can see you're upset about this. But like, that's as a way of shutting down someone's opinion by saying they're just being hysterical rather than like it's not an emotional debate. You're just wrong. You're just bloody wrong. I think there's a general prevailing trend in politics where it's very easy to talk about the place of emotion whenever compassion might also be part of the reasoning and I think that's an unfortunate thing you can both have a logical perspective and think that it is a compassionate one and that doesn't necessarily mean you're coming from a place of emotion um where I think people are coming from a place of emotion is on their extreme opinions about the DLR and whether or not it's a tube line it's not a tube line can I ask you one last thing before we finish okay have you had your flu jab I'm not enjoying this this meme about me being old <laughs> And the reason I'm not enjoying it is between our recording this podcast and my putting out this podcast, it will be my birthday and I will turn 37. And 37, I can't help but notice, is I'm, I'm starting to push it with the mid-30s at that point, aren't I? I'm basically late 30s, which is basically 40, which is basically middle age, which is basically dead. So I'm not enjoying this joke because it's a little bit too... Close to the bone. Yeah. I'm going to get the barman to call you a cab, okay? You're getting very het up. If I have my tea. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project... There's a spray paint pattern that's just right. 
Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 